In the town of Rastolia, Slovenia, there's a small stone church built on a great stone slab. And inside that church is a strange medieval mural. The mural depicts a sort of dance, a procession. And everyone's in it. The royalty, the peasants, the clergy, the kids. And they're all walking together. Except in between each person holding their hands is a smiling skeleton leading them gleefully towards their final destination. They're kind of dancing along the skeletons and all the various people, and then it ends in just a pit that you get dumped into. (laughs) And that is your grave. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're taking a dance lesson in the two-step that we were all born to do. That's after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I am a mortician, probably most notably, uh, but I also talk about death acceptance and death awareness, and I'm an advocate for a new future, a new death-involved future for our populace. That's the weirdest description of me I've ever given. (laughs) Usually I have much more of a succinct. I'll back off and I'll ask you just, what is your name? Kaylin Doty. I can do that one. Can you tell me a little bit about how you spend your time? I do several things. I own a small funeral home here in Los Angeles. I founded a nonprofit called The Order of the Good Death, which has death awareness and acceptance. I write books and I do YouTube videos called Ask a Mortician. Hello, deathlings. Today, we're returning to where my career began, really, which is describing every visceral, macabre detail of a cremation. Besides being a mortician, a host, an author, and the creator of The Order of the Good Death, Caitlin has also traveled widely. And, And on her trips, she's often there to see something specific, usually something deathy, which is exactly what brought her to a medieval church in Rastolia, Slovenia. I wanted to go to this place so badly that here we are driving around rural Slovenia 
in this car. And I know from the internet that this church closes to visitors at 5 p.m. sharp. And it's like 447. We're like, (laughs) oh no, we're not going to find it. And, you know, 455, we pull up at this. And it's now once you see it, you're like, okay, this is definitely it. It's almost in this middle of this rolling hill Hmm. and nothing else is around it. And it's this very obviously very old church. And we run in, you know, kind of fling open the door and like, we're here. And the only person in there is a teenage boy sitting at a little desk. He has a long, dirty blonde ponytail. Mm -hmm. He's wearing a slash from Guns N' Roses shirt. Rules. Khaki shorts. Mm -hmm. Crocs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He does not speak English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're like, hey, hi, can we see, can we see the frescoes? And he has this giant like 80s boombox. And he points at the boombox and he says, ah, English, I play this for you. And yes yes thank you so he pushes play on the boombox and booming through this through the speakers comes this english voice that's like welcome to the church of holy trinity and he gets a laser pointer out and he takes (laughs) us around the church laser pointing various features that go with the Mm boombox and what is being said. Mm -hmm. And I just only had eyes for one thing, which are these frescoes from the late medieval period of the dance macabre. And it's one of the best preserved versions of this in the world. It's known as the dance macabre or dance of death. And that is what the mural of skeletons leading people towards their grave was depicting. The Dance Macabre was a late medieval conception of depicting death and depicting various themes of death. And you've probably seen them. It's like a series of skeletons or sometimes decomposing corpses that are leading people from all walks of life to their death. And the message is twofold. One, it's, you know, memento mori. It's it's you're, you're going to die. And the other is really a, a modern kind of conception, which is radical equality Mm. in death. The idea that it doesn't matter if you're a king that's dancing with death, you're a pauper that's dancing with death, you're a doctor, you're a churchman, um, you know, doesn't matter who you are, you will end up in a grave. And that is actually the end of the dance. A little bit of a fun and jaunty depiction, though. There's like it uh, is, yeah. Know. Well, that's the late medieval period, man. For you, that's the that's the medieval macabre. It's incredibly fun and incredibly whimsical. The dance macabre was just one form of expressing the medieval macabre, the medieval period's perspective on death, and that was a kind of combination of religious fervor of constantly reminding folks that. They too will die, that they need to be ready at any moment to go before God. Mixed and swirled with the aesthetic vibe of the Evil Dead movies. How I would best describe the art of the medieval macabre is like, spoiler, here's you. You're going to be a decomposing like corpse or skeleton just Mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. And some of them are are more skeletonish or more cartoon skeletonish. Mm -hmm. But you had a lot that was also just like flesh 
dripping from the you know, innards coming out of the stomach, worms coming out of the face. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of the, the medieval macabre. This medieval macabre aesthetic extended into multiple forms. Woodcuts from the period look like heavy metal albums. They've got skeletons and devils popping up all over the place, grabbing people from like under the covers like, hey, buddy, you want to come with us? And, and towards the end of the medieval period, royals were actually commissioning sculptures, what were called cadaver monuments. And you should look them up. They are incredible looking. And basically, they are stone grave monuments of the person's rotting body, essentially what they'll look like, you know, months after they've died. And they're fully graphic. They've got vermin running around and worms popping out here and there, flesh is hanging off, absolutely ruled. But eventually, these graphic depictions of death fell out of favor. And many of the original murals and sculptures were lost, which is what made this church in Slovenia even more special. At a certain point, they were just like, mm, that's not our vibe anymore here <laughs> in the Church of Holy Trinity. We're just going to, you know, plaster over it, white wall over it. Mm. And there was, a, I believe it was an art historian in the 1940s who's picking away at the wall and goes, wait a second. There is like a late medieval masterwork of the macabre wow. on this wall. So they they peel all the paint off, they restore it. And now you get to go have a teenage boy laser point at it. Maybe it's my latent goth tendencies, but as you can tell, I find all of this stuff, the dance macabre, the cadaver monuments, the woodcuts where every letter depicts a different scene of a skeleton bringing someone towards their death. I really like it all. I I find it really interesting and amazing. And to be honest, I kind of wish we had more of it in our modern age. I asked Caitlin about this. Do you feel like we are missing some of those, some of that uh, medieval macabre in our in our current world. Like, should should we should we bring back a little bit of 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 those vibes into our modern day? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I think that especially after this pandemic, there's going to be a lot of people looking for ways to engage their mortality mm-hmm. because we've been in this high level anxiety for over a year yeah. around our own mortality and around our own sense of trappedness and our, uh, around our own sense of inequality mm-hmm. in the world. Most yeah. of us anyway, if yeah. you're like every, everyone is seeing the dance macabre play out across yeah. their screens and it's been stirred up and, and we see it. And now it's just a matter of, do we have the courage to engage it? In the medieval period, a period where death was always close, impossible to avoid. The dance macabre was a way of grappling with that reality, the reality of death. Today, Americans tend to keep death as far away as possible. We certainly don't paint murals of ourselves walking to our graves. But I think that attitude leaves us bereft. I think it leaves us unprepared when our loved ones die or terrified of our own inevitable passing. At the start of uh, your book, From Here to Eternity, you have a quote um, that says, uh, Adult, adults who are racked with death anxiety uh, are not odd birds who have contracted some exotic disease, but men and women whose family and culture have failed 
to knit the proper protective clothing for them to withstand the icy chill of mortality. And I I love that quote. It's by uh, Irvin Yalom. Irvin Irving Yalom. Yeah. yeah, Irving Yalom. Uh, and he's a psychiatrist. And um, and I'm curious, having done all this travel around the world and, and seen all these different death practices, do you first off, do you feel like you've been able to knit the proper protective clothing for the the icy chill of mortality? And like, how does one do that? How does one knit themselves the proper protective clothing? Yeah, I mean, I I you have to work with what you have within your own culture, mm. right? Like I'm I'm not advocating that you just, you know, wholesale take another's culture's rituals and sure. say, these are mine now, yeah, is yeah. what I believe. Um, and so for me, it, I can't just decide to be religious. Hmm. I, I wish I could sometimes because it seems like there's a lot of structure and comfort in that. I can't just decide to live in a culture that has a really open, helpful, holding relationship with death. But what I can do is given what I have, I can conceive of my body in a different way. And for me, what that does is, is seeing as my body as organic material and seeing it as as part of nature and seeing my atoms as something that can be reusable. Hmm. So when I think about my own immortality, I don't think about my consciousness living on. I think about my body living on and my my body decomposing and going back into the earth and being able to be used for new things. And for me, in my sort of secular American way, brings a lot of of comfort yeah. to me. People who are who are deeply religious feel a great awe at the at the foot of God. Yeah. And that may be the same kind of awe that you or I have looking at the stars. Yeah. Yeah. At night. Or, or for me, even like seeing a decomposing body. Yeah, you know, it's it's awe to me that this was, this was once animated by something, yeah. and is now, is now dead, and that to me is is awe enough in itself. Thanks so much to Caitlin Doty who has a million other incredible death stories to tell and who hopefully we'll be hearing from again soon. Please check out her YouTube show, Ask a Mortician, or order one of her amazing books, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, From Here to Eternity, or her incredible kid's book, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? They're all so good. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, John Delore, Tracy Samuelson, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And I'm Dylan Therese, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. 
intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. 